once he started switching around, not just throwing out, these are the big numbers you can make, but here's how I'm going to pour into you to be that kind of coach. Then he started getting people way more interested in a sector that they didn't think that they'd necessarily want to work for. So I think changing your value proposition and really showing here's the contribution, here's the difference that this is going to make. This is Lead with Culture. I'm Kate Volman, and on this episode, we are talking about what millennials and Gen Z want in the workplace. What are they looking for? And I'm so excited because we are chatting with our senior coach and dream manager, Jennifer Fonseca. Jennifer, I'm excited about our conversation. Me too. An honor, Kate. I'm excited to have you on because of anyone on our team, you definitely work the most with all of our Gen Z and millennial clients. So it's an interesting world where there's all this different talk of what is this new workforce? What do they want? What do they need when they're looking for a new role? And you're having these conversations with them every day, like really what matters to them. And so we wanted to share with leaders, what does that look like? And obviously we have to be thinking about this. We have a lot of different generations in the workforce today. We've got to figure out how to lead these people in the right way. So tell everyone a little bit about your background too, because this is kind of your wheelhouse. You've been doing this for so many years, even in your past before you started working at Floyd. It is. Okay. Well, we won't say our age, but I did spend over 20 years in higher education. So I have worked with the generations for that time frame. So I'm very familiar. And in the last couple of years, been with Floyd Coaching, and I still get to work with these two generations, millennials and Gen Z. So it's been really great. So what are your thoughts before you came here to start coaching and you were in higher education? You were working with a lot of students on their career path. And what was that next journey for them? So what was the conversation that you were having? What were they really interested and curious about? And what were they looking for in their role or what they were going to do next in their life? That's a great question. So it's interesting too, is even in higher education. So I had individuals who are coming in age 17, 18 on the one hand, but on the other hand, I had also graduate students. And these are people who had full-on careers. They were re-entering, getting their master's degree, some of them even doctorates. And so you still had the span there. And they all had different needs based on where they were at career-wise. What I would say is those that are on the forefront, their expectations were different. And I think organizations that pay attention to those kinds of things and what's important to them also can really, really make a difference in both the recruiting efforts and in their engagement of hiring those folks, for sure. So what were those differences that you recognized? I would say there's three C's. They want to have a contribution. Gen Z's and millennials, it's really important to have a contribution and work for a mission, something that they believe in, even if it's a product or a service, knowing that it benefits someone and this is how and that they get to make a personal contribution. They want to have a connection and they really want to be coached. Honestly, they don't want a manager that they report to. And I'll tell you kind of a funny story. There was one time where I had, she was probably around 20 to 22. And I remember she had come into my office and just wanted to talk and process something. And her comment to me was, thanks, I just needed to be mommed. And I'm like, mommed? What's going on? What is that? But it was one of those things like she really wanted someone who could coach her through the thing that she was going through at the moment. The millennials, the Gen Zs, they seek that out. They really are seeking that out. 
But those would be the three things. It makes sense because I think today we have so much more access, but it's just also talked about more personal development and coaching and growth. And I think we just have so much access to so many different resources that people are like, yeah, we want to grow. We want to get better. That's why I always say when leaders come to us and say, people just don't want to work. They just don't want to work hard. It's like, no, people want to work hard. They want to get better. We all have those professional dreams, but we need to have a leader that wants to coach us. So here's something else that's really interesting. Like if you really think about all the generations, right? So you think about our generation and prior, we had to buy stuff. We had to buy our music on a cassette or a record or a CD. We had to buy books. We wanted to learn, but you had to purchase these things. And now it's not like that. You don't own stuff. If you want to learn, you just go on YouTube. You have free resources. You go on Instagram. They're getting their news on TikTok. They're renting or streaming things, but there's so much access to all this learning. And it's free. It's free to them. And they do it. They're not reading a cookbook to learn even to cook. <laughs> They're literally watching these videos on Instagram and TikTok and making new recipes. But if they want to learn something, they're just like, oh, you just YouTube it. <laughs> yeah. Don't know how to use Excel? Go on YouTube. It'll tell you how to do it. And that's what they do. Which is why it's that much more important for leaders to have a very clear mission and vision because that can be another challenge because we have access to everything. We can get into information overload, but when our team knows very specifically, hey, this is what's expected of you. This is the role that you're in and this is what the mission is. Now, you know the resources that you can go to help you fulfill that role. You know, I think there is a lot of mindless scrolling these days and you can find recipes and all the videos of all the things and you're just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And it's like, but wait a second, at some point you have to learn and implement and actually take what you're learning and apply it to your role in your life in order to get better. So I did see Gallup. We use Gallup a lot. We're always looking at their data and they have this graph that talks about what the young millennials and Gen Z are looking for, and then the older millennials, and then Gen X, and the baby boomers. And the number one thing that most of them are looking for is an organization who cares about employees' well-being. That's number one. CRHOs, they know that mental health is a big thing in the workforce today and in organizations. But when they look at college campuses, so the, the students that are getting the internships and then working full-time for them, the number one thing used to be depression. Now it's anxiety. And so the sense of overwhelm at work or my personal and my work and addressing those things is really, really important. With the clients that I meet with, I met with someone yesterday, just yesterday. She just graduated from college. This is her first full-time job. She presents herself super, super well. But the weight that she's carrying, and I asked her like what was going on, it's about the conflict in Israel. It was curious that current events were giving her some level of anxiety that she was bringing into the workplace. Yeah. Well, again, going back to access, right? We have all the news and see everything going on from all different angles all of the time. Whereas before, years ago, when we were growing up, you had to turn on the news. You read the newspaper. Like there wasn't this constant feed. And even just like all the different political podcasts, when you're listening to all of this stuff, it feels very heavy. It feels like the sky is falling. It feels like there's so much anxiety, but this is good for leaders to understand. Obviously, these are things that everyone are thinking about. And we talk about with all of our clients, the challenges that your people are going through, they're bringing them into work. 
they're not just putting those away before they come into the office. And so we get to coach them into how do you take all of the craziness of their life or the world and then figure out how you're going to show up every day and not allow this anxiety or fear to have that procrastination or anxiety lead you. Yesterday, I probably had four or five coaching clients and they spanned ages from like 22 to mid 30s. Every single one of them, we had mindset talks because whatever they brought to the coaching session, a lot of it was just the mindset around whether it was a work thing. And that's what coaching does is it really helps address what's the framework that I'm coming to this with so that I can move through, make progress and have the outcome that works for everybody. And then the mission of the person, the mission of the organization, the outcome is going to be good when this shifts. And it's just helpful to have a coach to do that because it's hard to do it on your own. Yes. And it's almost harder when you know, right? Like we have access to all the things. We know what we should be doing. And then we get frustrated with ourselves because like, wait a second, we're not doing the thing we said we're supposed to do. We know what we need to do, but we're still not doing it. So we still need that coaching. You still need that support because Jennifer, you're an incredible coach and we get lots of wonderful feedback. Jennifer is a great cheerleader and encourager and really supports obviously all of the clients that you get to work with on a regular basis. So what are some of the tools that you share with your clients when they are going through this anxiety and fear? I mean, anxiety is one of those words that I recognize on the socials that it seems like the Gen Z and millennials, they're just constantly procrastination, anxiety, like they're in this constant state of fear. Like, I don't want to make the wrong move and I don't want to mess things up. It's a lot of those things. Oh my gosh. Yes. I hear that same refrain continually. The one thing that I say over and over again, and people that I coach are probably tired of hearing it, but the story you tell is the story you're going to get. So is what you're saying a fact or is it a story you're saying about the fact? And I have a friend who says it this way, and he might've gotten it from someone else. I'm not sure, but whatever you're feeling and thinking on the inside will find a time and a place to meet you on the outside. So we have to be really, really careful about what we're thinking about something else, what we're thinking about ourselves. Even an individual that I talked with yesterday, her thought process was like, I don't know if I can get another job. I don't know what skills I have. And she is one of the most people intuitive persons that I've met with in a long time. And she didn't even realize that's a marketable skill. It has a place for where she's currently at. It'll have a place for her in the future. It comes so naturally to her. And then she also compares herself to other people. We had an entire conversation about, well, is that really true that you don't have any skills and you can't find another job? Like you're never going to be able to find another job and that you're stuck. Is that a story you're telling? And what's the outcome? of the story you're telling. And if you were to rewrite the story based on facts, then what really is true and what's going to be the outcome? So you can pick which of these two you want, and they're both going to have outcomes, which is the outcome you really want. It was such a powerful session. I love that. That's a great exercise, especially when you said comparison. That is a big one. I feel like some of our very high achieving, type A driven, very successful clients, they are the ones that deal with comparison the most. They are constantly in this feeling of, I'm not there yet. I'm not good enough. It's all of those feelings. And then they compare themselves. 
it does not do anything for our progress. And that's another thing is just this idea of progress. I'm constantly reminded and inspired by our clients because it's very forceful personal development. Like you have to be the best and strive and grow. And it's very in your face when a lot of people the dreams that they have are so beautiful and they actually are so attainable. And so what are some of the dreams that these millennials and Gen Zs have on their list that you're helping them achieve? It's so fun. It's interesting. There's such a gambit between physical dreams. The person that I coached just this morning, he came up with this on his own, but it's just to work on his thought life. He's actually going to measure how many times out loud he says, oh, that's so stupid or self-defaming thoughts. I have several that have these. They seem a little ethereal, but they're really going to be helpful in terms of showing up as a more confident individual. So there's a lot of self-development dreams where it seems a little general. But then, you know, I have several that want to get a promotion at work and they're actively working on, okay, what are the measurable things that I can do to make me the exemplary employee that knows how to take on more, that's increasing my skill set and things like that. Beautiful. So let's talk about leaders who are managing or leading a team of millennials and Gen Zs. And what advice would you give to them today to really start to build a more engaged workforce and really just identify some of these challenges they might be going through and how they can become a better coach to them? Yeah, I think going back to the three Cs, the contribution, connection, and coaching. So when we talk about contribution, I think employers can start looking at their value proposition. For example, I worked with an employer and he was throwing salaries out. Like, this is how much you could make. This is how much money you could make. And he was hoping that that's what's going to attract them to the position that he had. And I said, that's not really what millennials and Gen Zs want. What they want to know is what are they working towards? And it was in the financial sector. So you can make big money. You're selling financial products. But let them know the life that they could lead, how they could be the kind of person. And really, he's such a great mentor. Like, sell that, that this is how you're going to help them to develop professionally, because I know how much time you invest in them. And once he started switching around, not just throwing out, these are the big numbers you can make, but here's how I'm going to pour into you to be that kind of coach. Then he started getting people way more interested in a sector that they didn't think that they'd necessarily want to work for. So I think changing your value proposition and really showing here's the contribution, here's the difference that this is going to make. As much as people want a hybrid and flexible work schedule, they really do like in-person connection. <laughs> so they want maybe one day remote or whatever, but they really want to meet with you in person. They would love to have lunch with one of the VPs just to talk life, just to know career path. How did you get into this career path? What's your career history? Tell me your story. They would love something like that. And then they really do not want a manager. They want a coach. They want someone who's really going to coach them, ask them questions. And it's been really interesting because I've noticed even with being with Floyd, I approach people so much differently. I'm not telling them this is how you ought to do it. I'm asking a lot of really good questions. And by asking people really good questions, they come up with solutions that work for them. My solutions work for me. They don't work for everybody. And so I think when a manager can learn or a director or a VP can learn to be a good coach and ask good questions, it empowers the people that work for them. And not only empowers it, it endears them. And then they stay longer. They are definitely more engaged. Those would be three things that I would definitely say can make a massive difference. And I've seen it. 
That's awesome. Obviously, people need to be paid well for the role that they're in. And it goes so above and beyond that. In fact, in that survey from Gallup, the second most important thing that they were looking for is the organization's leadership is ethical. So they want to know and believe in the leadership of the organization. And for young millennials and Gen Z, the third one was the organization is diverse and inclusive of all people. Because that's how they've grown up. That's what they've seen. Like you look at all the presidents of the United States, they've grown up with the first African-American president. So they expect diversity. They expect inclusion. So it's important to know these things. So I think that's a beautiful thing for leaders to really recognize as you're building out your role descriptions, as you're having interviews with people. And this is an opportunity. And we see this with our dream manager clients. When our clients have dream managers, they put it on their website where they're like, we have a dream manager because they want people to know We care about you as an individual, as a human being first, not just about hitting the numbers and everything. And people are attracted to that because that shows that you're not just saying that you care about your people, like a lot of organizations do. People come first, but their actions don't necessarily speak the same. Oh, they look for authenticity. Yes. Yeah. I can't tell you the number of individuals that when they're looking for a new opportunity, they want to know, like, what's your onboarding process? What's the company culture? And they're going, where do I need to look for, how do I ask questions? Because literally a week ago, I had a Gen Z contact me and say, okay, so I went on Glassdoor. What do I do? Because I have an interview with this organization and they've got some really bad reviews around their culture. And I said, well, squeaky wheels are the ones who complain. So that may not be indicative of their actual culture. It just could be the complainers. So what questions could you ask in the interview that would help you to get a better sense of what their organizational culture really is? And that's exactly what she did. She did her research. She sent me a list of questions of these are the types of things that I could ask that would help me to discern whether or not the company has a good culture or not. And she'll be able to see through their answers, whether they're being authentic about them or whether it's like, this is a hard no, this is not an organization that I can work with. Yeah. And we've seen it over and over again where people will take a dramatic pay decrease to go work for an organization because the culture that they're in is so toxic and they will go and work somewhere else, even just like from the flexibility standpoint. And you know what's so funny, Jennifer? It's like, I feel like this whole conversation and everything that we say, we're talking specifically about Gen Z and millennials, but really it's people. It's everybody. It goes back to the heart of Matthew's book, The Dream Manager. It's treat people like people. When you care about your people and you treat them well, you want to help them grow, which is the role of a leader, then they're going to want to work with you. They're going to want to build something with you. And to that point, Matthew says it in Culture Solutions and Dream Manager, when you look at people within an organization, are they an asset or a liability? And if you treat them like a liability, then I wish you all the best with trying to retain and recruit. But if you see people as an asset, that they're part of how the mission of the organization gets accomplished when you breathe life into their dreams, that's when you experience success. That's when you have an exceptional organization. And that's what people want. Who doesn't want to be happy showing up to work? 
if your Sundays are really rough because Monday is coming, your organization has a problem. Yeah. What do they call them? The Sunday scaries? If you've got the Sunday scaries, then you are maybe not in the best role. I don't want to say everyone's experienced it, but I know many people have experienced it. My very first job out of college, I experienced that and it was the worst. My stomach would hurt on Sunday nights. Monday morning, we had this team meeting and it was just so stressful. Every Monday morning, I was like scared to go into the office. (laughs) I thought I was having a heart attack in my mid-20s. I was under so much stress from my job. I remember sitting down in my bed thinking, oh my gosh, I'm too young for this to happen. Oh my gosh. It's a really interesting time for leaders right now. We are in a position where we really get to help coach people. We get to help them grow. And we fortunately get to work with some of the most empathetic, incredible, inspiring leaders. Obviously, they're reaching out to us because they believe in training and coaching and all of those things. And so it's beautiful to see that there are still leaders in the world and companies that are being built that have this kind of culture, that have this kind of environment. And so when people come to us, And they're like, we really want to create this kind of environment. How do we do it? It's like, oh, we love working with people like you because it is possible. So let's make it happen. Yes. And even for individuals, I had a conversation with someone I was coaching the other day and she's not loving her job. She loves the culture of the organization, loves it. That's what keeps her there. She doesn't necessarily love her job. And many of us are trying to fix things on the outside. If I just get a better job, if I just make more money, if my spouse changes, whatever it is, those are things on the outside. But really, that's usually not what needs to change. It's the stuff on the inside. So back to the mindset and our emotions. So in coaching this individual, I'm like, well, what if those things about your job never changed? Do you think you could still find fulfillment? And she wasn't sure. And I challenged her on it that you can. Because if you address these things, like your heart and your emotions, your outcomes are going to be different. Your actions are going to be different. So if you show up to work sloggy, how's that going to work for you? She's like, well, I probably won't be very motivated. I probably won't try very hard. I'll just do the bare minimum. Yeah. Well, how do you want to show up at work? Well, I want to show up confident. Great. Okay. So what thoughts go along with confident? What action steps, if you show up confident, even if your work never changes, what's that going to look like? And she said, I'm going to do more. I'm going to ask for more projects. And I said, great. What do you think the outcome of that's going to be? Well, I'll probably get a promotion. I said, yes. So without your job ever changing, if you just work on some things and you come in with a different mindset and a different set of emotions, these are your two outcomes. Which one would you rather have? Because the story you tell is the story you're going to get. And so it's really fun that sometimes it's not the organization that needs to make tweaks. Sometimes it's just the person. They're just small tweaks. That's it. Just little small tweaks. That's it. But so powerful. Always the mindset. Always comes back to mindset. Oh my gosh. Well, Jennifer, this was such a great conversation. And I think that people are walking away with some good tools. I think you provided some good things for leaders to really think about. What is one more activity or exercise that a leader can put in place right now with their team, whether it's at their next team meeting or whether it's their next one-on-one with a millennial, or even if it's not a millennial, just someone on their team to really help support them and become a better coach? Try next time, instead of just offering advice, ask a great question. It is so empowering to be asked a great question. Well, if you did know the answer, what do you think you'd say? Or, and what else? Or what is it that you want? Just a great question really can make a difference. Love it. The best coaches in the world ask the best questions. Oh, I have a whole list. Lots and lots of questions. That's what makes the impact. No one really wants to be told what to do. 
We just want to be coached into figuring it out. All right. Awesome. Well, Jennifer, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, if you are thinking, hey, I really want to build a dynamic culture in my organization and become a better coach, right? If you are leading a team and you just want to get better at coaching every single person in your organization to help you grow, we would love to talk to you about what that might look like for you. You can go to floydcoaching.com and one of our Floyd coaches will be in contact with you and you can have that conversation with them. We hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. If you haven't yet done so, please go and write a review. We would love for you to support the podcast and writing reviews and sharing it with people, with other leaders in your life really help to expand the show because we do want to help more and more leaders to build dynamic cultures so people love coming to work and accomplishing great things together. All right, you guys are awesome. Thank you for listening. And until next time, lead with culture.